welcome to Mystic Drip. Hi. Oh my goodness, there's so many <laughs> juicy things I want to talk to you about today. I'm sipping my coffee. I'm not super happy about it because it's kind of lukewarm. And you know, your girl likes her food hot. You know, what's funny is that I did my human design little diagram. I still don't know much about it, but every time that I... Somebody's car is messing up. Okay. Every time that I kind of learn more about it, I learn something that is more interesting. Um, one of my coaches said, oh my God, you're completely defined. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> I still don't know. Um, okay. What was I going to say? Oh, what I was going to say is that when I did my human design, it came back that like my foods have to be hot. And my daughter was just like, oh my God, mom, that is so true. Like I can't drink like lukewarm coffee, like anything lukewarm, like food. Like I, ugh, it just kind of grosses me out. Like not like super grossed out, but I just cannot like, ew, I can't do it. So I like my foods really hot. Um, and not, I don't mean spicy. I mean, um, heat um like temperature so anyways my coffees look warm so i had to i I have one of those uh self-warming mugs you know because it's a fucking fucking genius idea whoever did that i was like i need a warm a mug that keeps its own coffee or drinks hot because i can't do the lukewarm lord and behold um this is i'm on my second cup the first one um the, the i had it for maybe a year or for, I don't know, nine months, and the charger broke. It wasn't charging anymore, and I couldn't replace it, so I had to throw it out. Um, and then for Christmas, I don't know if it was, like, my last Christmas. I think so. Um, it was a birthday, uh, a Christmas present from Jesse, my man, and I was so happy. Like, I am the person, like, you cannot necessarily buy your way into my heart, but if you buy me something that it's like, oh my God, you know me so well, right? Like a self-heating mug. What else would it, would it be? Like Jesse one time, Jesse has been really good about buying me gifts because they're all kind of utilitarian. <laughs> so one day he bought me a Snuggie. Now a Snuggie is not attractive. It looks like a, it's almost like a big blanket. But the reason he bought it for me is because my office, my studio is detached from the house. So in order to get to it, you have to walk a little bit across the yard. And in wintertime, I'm like cold. And he saw that and bought me that. So I was like, oh my God, you know me so well. Because it was literally like walking with a blanket. Um, What else did he buy me that was just like, oh my God, you, you totally understand me. You get me for you know, for Christmas and stuff, he's bought me like, like weed containers. And I don't know why I'm just like, thank you. Um, so gifts are important to me in, in the sense that if you know me very well and give me something that shows me that you pay attention to who I am and the things I value, they become more important, but I'm not, that's gifting is not my love language. My love language is words of affirmation. Number one, the second strong one is touch. And so I tell people I am easy to please call me pretty and smack my ass. And I'm a happy girl, right? I feel like the harder, the hardest, um, love language act, uh, I don't know, activities for me are, um, time, and service 
And I tell people like, time and service are the worst. No, my daughter is time and touch. And my partner is time and service. Now, I'm just like, those are my worst ones. Those are my lower ones. Because I'm like, I don't got time for nobody. And I don't want to do shit for nobody. (laughs) But once you understand how people receive love, if you love them, those things do not become super complicated. They're like, oh, this is pretty cool. I love, you know, like I love making omelets for Jesse. Well, I love cooking and that is a way that I can demonstrate, you know, service. Um, with my daughter, time, I love movies. So it's sitting together, watching a movie where she's close in close proximity and touching my leg or something and cuddling with me. Um, so there's ways, <laughs> there's ways that I can do those. Okay. There's so many things that I want to share with you today. I want to start here. I want to start with talking about one of the things that we're going to be going through um, in the God Academy and it's called the Momentum Method. Um, It's not like something that just just mine. Um, This is a system that there's many people and many coaches that use it. Um, I'm just going to give you the reason and how it works and the way that I um, utilize it what is important for you to know about it and also that this is going to be a very very key pivotal way of leaning into being more disciplined and more committed and more um more devoted to your practices um somebody commented on one of the questions where i asked people to ask me anything that they were having a hard time sticking to their practices. And I know that as a Gemini, I know how hard that could be to stick to routines and to be rigid and not have no flexibility. Um, at first, you will get results through sheer, pure force and determination, right? You will get results. It's kind of like um, if you can imagine a drop of water falling into a rock for hundreds of years, that it will create a dent on that rock. But if you just stick your hand underneath it and it hits you once, it just seems like no pain at all. It seems like it's not that fo- much force. So there's that part of that drop that can mold an entire rock for that sheer gentle persistence. And then there's like a jackhammer. You can take a jackhammer to the rock and break it apart. Right now, those two things will still give you a result. Those two things will still break that rock. But there's just two of the ways of going about it. One, gentle drops that, you know, that built on something with ease and flow. And another one that takes the jackhammer, electricity force, and it's really fast, right? So we're not trying to sit in judgment on how we do things. We're trying to just find our way. Of course, do we want to do things faster, quicker, easier? We do, but do we? But do we really? Because there's nothing easier than maybe for a woman to get married to a man who's financially stable and she just watches TV. But that's not what women want to do. Most of us want to have a career, want to have children, want to have passions, want to do things. We have hobbies. We have um, entrepreneurial desires. So ease, no matter how much sometimes people profess that that's what we want, is really not what we want. What we want is fulfillment. And we'll go more into having a fulfilling life 
inside my program, the God Academy. And, and it's not a lecture program. Um, I recently have joined a couple of programs and I was just so excited and right, didn't really know what to expect. But what I realized is their their lecture base is like going to college and sitting through a two hour lecture, right? Um, yeah, it's knowledge, it's information, it's interesting, it's inspiring. But most of the time, inspiration is not enough to carry you through an awakening. It's not enough. It's enough to maybe ignite you, to start you, to set it off. But it's not something that's going to sustain you. Um, so let's see how much I can get through. Inside the program, I am not going to lecture you about what you need to do or, or, or beautiful, amazing stories of triumph. Like, I think the world is full of those things. And I think that it, it's time for programs, at least for me, that programs that do something that a lecture cannot promise. A lecture can never promise you a result. It can only promise you information. It could only promise you um, tactics, strategies. It could only promise you knowledge. It, it could even promise you wisdom. But none of the things matter if you do not take action on them, if you don't apply them somehow into your life, if you do not utilize that information. And so let me call myself out. One of the reasons why this, the way I'm doing this um, program is different than just massive lectures is because I had never sat through programs that were content heavy, lecture heavy, that actually shifted me. What really shifted me was taking that content and using it. And so I think that sometimes we have fallen into this belief that this amazing coach and mentor, a spiritual leader, um, creates a program and they have all these like juicy benefits and all the amazing things that could happen to you as a result. And one of the reasons they don't guarantee the results is because they can't guarantee that you will actually do what they did, what they're encouraging to try on and to practice. And I think that it's time for the coaching industry to take another gigantic step in values, in standards, and in integrity, right? I think that is going to be the most important thing going forward with the amount of coaches and healers and helpers that we have, which are amazing. But it, there, there's going to always be a distinction. This happened in photography. This happened in fashion design. This happens with every um, career or move or whatever, right? There comes, uh, first comes the, the originals, the OGs who create the, the trend, the movement, the awareness. Then a lot of people learn about them. And a lot of people start teaching them as well. Then sometimes regulations come through, blah, 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 this and the other. But then what happens is there's so many people, what people might call that market saturation. There's so many people, they're all saying the same things. They're all kind of look the same, that it becomes harder for the consumers to actually know what it is that they, that they need. Because they all like, what's the difference between a law of attraction course for $100 hundred dollars and a law of attraction course for a thousand dollars right the only difference between those two is the perception that the one that's priced higher is better that's it but it could be exactly the same content as a matter of fact i read i have read dozens of books that tell you 
that you can take a $500 program and make it into a $5,000 program and maybe even into a $50,000 program without having to change the content, right? They tell us things like, hey, all you have to do is become more specialized and more niche and you can start speaking directly to those who you want to serve. And we can see that that is a, a strategy that has worked, that is effective. Um, but that's not what we're doing. <laughs> because for me, it's really so important to be the person I say that I am, to be the person that I say I want to be. And so I have taken these amazing programs and these amazing classes, and they were all about knowledge. But I wasn't creating enough discipline to take that onto practices, to take that stuff that I was learning and actually applying it beyond the program. So if the program was a week long, well, I was up and ready for a week. And our brain loves those just quick dopamine hits like, oh my God, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it. And then after a week, we get back to normal to our regular operating system. And we've had that, that, that jolt of hope and optimism and it feels really good. And that will carry us to believe that because we were inspired for a week, that this following week we're actually changed and different. But what we're doing after that jolt of inspiration, that dopamine hit, those amazing stories of inspirations, those emotional sales tactics, and not that they're bad, but they are, they're pulling at your heartstrings. But then you don't do the changes. You don't do the things that are asked. You don't do the things that are encouraged. You don't even try it on for any significant length of time. For it to actually be something that you can say, absolutely, 100%, I can back this belief. I know that it works. I've tried it. I've done it. Or absolutely, it does not work for me. This is not something I'm going to pursue. Right? I think that people try things on like going to... um like a store and trying on a dress and you go in there and you look at thousand dollar dress and you try it on and you take selfies in the mirror and you just look amazing and you're just like oh my god this is so amazing and then you take it off and you don't buy it because you already got the dopamine hit this is something that i do with my kids is called the think about it pile when we go shopping by the store i put everything in my shopping cart I just put it all in there. I was like, ooh, I want this. I want that. And while I'm in the store walking around after I've gotten that dopamine hit, after I've gotten that little bit of like, yay, that feeling, you know, and because I am and I, I lead from my solar plexus, I'm emotional, make decisions from that emotional center. I have to allow those emotions to dissipate, to, to lessen so then I can make an accurate and so I can make a decision that is actually based on a benefit for me, not on an emotional spike, right? Most of the time in the think about it pile, we all end up putting half or more of the stuff back. Sometimes all the stuff back. I'm like, I don't need another toothbrush. It's does the same thing that the toothbrush that I have right now does, right? Because we are so, we, have, we've, we call it shopping therapy, but the thing is, like, you know that you can get shopping therapy without spending any money. Now, I don't know that it works if you just go there and think you're not going to spend it. I think when I do that, I am fully available to spending the money. Fully. Like, hey, I'm going to buy this and this and that. 
right? It's So it's not like I'm tricking myself into like, I'm going to put all these stuff in a cart and then I'm going to put it back. It, it, you cannot, you, you will get to a point in your spiritual life that you just can't trick yourself anymore. You just can't fake it anymore, right? Because who is really leading your life is who you really are. Who you really are when no one's looking. That is the person, that is the you that's magnetizing things to your life. So if that person behind closed doors is negative, you are magnetizing negativity to your life and you can walk around like you're perfect. I learned this in my Christian churches that I went to. You know, people looked their Sunday best looking really nice. And the following day, you find out that the preacher is having an affair. And you're just like, but he was preaching last night with so much conviction. And he was doing, but he's like, and I'm not saying that, you know, I believe in sin or anything like that. What I'm saying is, um, we don't know what really is going on inside people. You can only know what's going on without within yourself. Okay, so let's, let me talk about the momentum method. The momentum method is something that we used, and this is the reason why it is so important to actually put this in every single one of my programs even the free ones like it doesn't matter this is such this literally has become like law for my program because i want to tell you how this helps you well first of all with this within this method within this way of thinking we have to find a compelling reason that drives the behavioral change right? What do I mean by that? Like, if you're wanting to meditate every day, let's bring it into meditation because meditation is something that we are going to actively pursue in the God Academy as well. Let's say that you want to meditate every day and you find yourself that you don't, that you're having a hard time, you know, um, aligning to it, that there's so much resistance around it. Um, The first thing that we're going to look at, the first thing that I want you to look at and develop in your life going forward forever, right? Not just through my program, but like, what, what is the behavior? Why do you want to do meditation? And so when I ask clients that question, what I often hear, when I even ask myself that question is, well, I want to do meditation because I heard that meditation gives you peace. Sorry, you want peace. You want peace of mind. You want connection to God. You have a reason. But if you do not do it, if you do not go move past the resistance, or if you even have resistance, is because the reason is not compelling enough. If you're doing meditation for peace, there is many things that give you peace. Many things. For example, I want to do meditation for peace, but painting and drawing brings me peace. So the brain... The mind who knows you very well goes, why are you trying to meditate to get peace when there's easier ways to get peace, right? So then that's where that you build in that resistance and all that stuff is happening beneath your subconscious where you're not even aware that that's the dialogue. That's what's going on within it, within yourself. You're like, I want to meditate because it brings me peace. But your mind is like, girl, there's a million things that bring you peace. So we're not doing it this way. This, it seems hard. So no. And that resistance ensues that starts to build up that distance between where you are and where you want to be and the practice that is going to bridge you, the practice that's going to get you there. So let's think about what would be a compelling enough reason for you to change your behavior. 
So I had to go from meditation for peace, but this meditation had to be a missing puzzle, a link, something that was going to make all the other parts of me work, make sense. So meditation is not really for peace. Peace is a benefit, is a result. But meditation is for connection, is for self-awareness, is for self-discovery, is for the studying of thyself, right? Know thyself. It's for transcendence. And when I started to find a deeper, richer meaning that was aligned to my big vision, the resistance didn't have to leave for me to do my practices or not do them. The resistance was irrelevant, right? And so there is no force. It wasn't just like, there's a difference between making resistance, being aware of it, making your resistance irrelevant. There's a difference between that and forcing things. There is a distinction. The distinction for me is there is that feeling of hesitation of like, I don't want to do that, right? Like that, it's a feeling, it's not a thought. That feeling like, ugh, right? Immediately backed by, who I say I am, my big vision, and what this, what this thing that is called meditation, what this thing promises to deliver for me, which is transcendence. So if you're promising to deliver transcendence, then I don't have resistance towards transcendence at all. That is what I am actively pursuing. So then I welcome it, right? And of course, there's ways that I will um, teach you and you will learn and you will develop your own ways of eliminating resistance. Can you imagine a life where resistance is irrelevant? What does that mean? It means that you will feel resistance, but it won't matter. Okay. So the momentum method employs the fact that you have to acknowledge what it is that you want to, what behavior you want to have, what behavior you want to, you know, change, what pattern you want to get rid of and what new pattern do you want to establish. And, but it has to be in alignment with something juicy and big, something that pulls you. So for me is enlightenment, transcendence. And it's like, oh, and it doesn't matter if it was because of something that I was inspired to do or something that I heard, which is, could be the same thing. But it was like, oh, I feel like through the process of um, meditation, I will strengthen my bond, my connection. I will know more about how to transcend, right? Once, like, I, once I, I got that, that this modality, this thing is a, a, a gateway, as a door, as a path to something I want more than anything, the resistance doesn't matter. I can feel the resistance and it doesn't stop me. It doesn't pull me. It doesn't shift me. And I can feel it, right? It's not like feeling the resistance and pushing through in a way that feels like force, in a way that feels like I'm going to do it. I don't care, right? It's, it's a distinction, but it makes all the difference, right? So, for you to prioritize a shift in your behavior that will create a permanent transformation, a sh- complete shift in your identity, right? You need to have a compelling enough reason to drive that behavior. And if you're a spiritual person, I'm willing to bet that money is not going to be compelling enough. 
it's just not and it's also a byproduct okay so what is the following thing that this momentum method that we utilize in the god academy can help you through well it's what i called the goal of the practice the goal of the momentum method is to perform as a master with a student's mind what i mean by that is that it has a built-in fail safe we go into our practices we go into our lifestyle into our mystical lifestyle we go with the certainty that we are in the middle of our mastery uh oh somebody got hurt oh it's a murder the baby's okay my five-year-old was playing around in the hammock and fell and i had to go rescue him and all i had, all I had to do was give him a hug um, and i'm like oh no where am i where am i in my notes i think we are talking about the built-in failsafe I love the idea of a built-in failsafe, kind of like a lifeline. Um, you guys remember the show, How to Be a Millionaire or How to Become a Millionaire or something? It was a game show and you had to ask different questions and you had a couple of lifelines and that meant that if you didn't know a question, you can call a friend and they can answer for you or you can ask the audience and they can help you and then you can make a choice with some support. And so... I like having like a coach, right, um, that has like a, a Voxer um, WhatsApp or chat access like in real time in the trenches. That's kind of like how I do it. So, you know, so we, we tend to to do things in the way we want them done to us. Right. So that's what I like. I like that availability for having someone in your back pocket. Right. OK. And that's what I call my lifeline, which I, I've, I've talked about. One of my uh, former ministers, um, Reverend Cassandra, I've talked about her being a lifeline in my back pocket whenever I'm going through crisis. This, this, the momentum method, this way of operating um, has a built-in fail-safe, right? It's like the lifeline within the, um, the practice. So what, is it, what does it look like? Well, it looks like one of the core values of the momentum method. One of the core values of the momentum method is you have to prioritize the change and you do that through a compelling reason to drive behavior, but you cannot force. You cannot force because force always breeds force. So how do you implement a new habit if you don't force it in? Well, if you learn the difference between force and discipline, if you learn to understand that there is such a huge compelling reason for you to activate this in your life, then you move with intention rather than with force. But it will feel like force at times because you might not have the habit, you don't have the pattern, you know, you don't have enough, the intellect doesn't have enough evidence because the, the intellect goes from evidence not from faith the intellect doesn't have enough evidence to believe that this thing that you're doing is effective so it's just in the way it's just another thing that you're doing that's not going to work or that hasn't proven itself to work right but if you don't ever do it 
how do you know it will work? It must be practiced to be experienced. That's, you know, that's one of the, the core values of the program. Okay. So what we do is we have this fail save because we will practice like a master, but we will learn like a student. We will practice like a master and we learn like a student. Why? Why is that the, the thing that came to me? Well, because the, it, it was because of an experience that I had. So I was doing my Kundalini yoga one, di- one time, some years ago. And I was always doing it from this very American perspective. The American perspective is like, don't stretch too far. Don't push. Be gentle. So yoga always felt like, don't strain, right? It felt like don't do it beyond your limit. Don't hurt yourself. And so I found myself doing my kundalini yoga with that mentality. The mentality of don't force, don't push, just do the best that you can. So I noticed that I would stop often and I'll be like, oh, I can't wait till I'm like the teacher at her level where she can hold the pose for that length, where she can do, do the pose with mastery. And it makes it look so effortless and so graceful. And, and I would want to be in that state. And I had the belief system that that state will come as a result of building on it. Every day that I did my kundalini yoga practice, every day I would get better and better. And that was the belief. Incremental, gradual, slow shifts until the new behavior. The muscles are um, elastic enough to do the bends. It's strong enough to hold the poses. The breath is strong enough and controlled enough to be synced. Like I, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And she said, it must be practiced to be experienced. It was the first time I heard a teacher, a yoga teacher, tell you to go past your limit. She was like, keep at it, keep going. Don't stop now. Perfect the pose. You know, become the master now. And I had never in any of, I I was a fitness uh, trainer yonder many, many years ago. Like I had never heard someone say, push through. Perform now today as the master. And so now it has become, like I said, one of the core values of the program. It must be practiced to be experienced. No program in the world can promise you an experience. No one. The experience comes from you applying what you work in, what you learn in the program. So it really is up to you. It is really up for you to taking on the practices and taking on the beliefs and putting them on and trying them on and really going for it. So... Once I started to do the practices with mastery and I was like, what if I don't have to wait years and years and years and years and years to be the yogi master? What if I can master it today in this pose, in this moment, right? So what does that look like? What did it look like for me? So I was doing one of the poses and when I felt myself get sluggish and tired, I would perfect it. I will hold stronger. I would tell myself I can. I would say I can perform like the master. This is not going to last forever. I can hold it a little bit longer. I can do it. And I would have these internal conversations of, of 
just deciding to be the master of straightening my back even further of deepening my breath intentionally intentionally in that moment instead of believing that in a year I would naturally and easily just get there because practice will create mastery regardless I just decided that I could just tap into mastery today and it wasn't like maybe doing it for so long that your body has gracefully and with ease falling into it there was still discomfort it was still hard and strenuous and I was still had to have massive control but I had something that I had never had before and it was personal pride and the feeling of mastery so I noticed that when I was like doing my kundalini yoga half-assed that I did get some benefit but most of the time I was judging myself for like not doing it good enough and I wasn't trying to judge myself I was just like basically judging myself very innocently like oh I can't wait till I could do this better right what is the the premise behind that statement that I suck oh I can't wait till I master this what is the premise behind that that an amateur that I don't know what I'm doing and so those messages beneath the messages are really causing you to develop more resistance towards something. But what happened is that in me performing and taking on that frequency of mastery and saying, if I was the master right now, if I had already been doing this for 20 years, how would I do it? And just doing it in that moment. Just, I'm like, oh my God, my body was just like, all right, we're masters. And just doing it in the moment. There was something that I was getting from that experience I had never gotten before. I was actually practicing the experience in integrity and integrity will always bring you to the results right the in in integrity not have asked like oh my god i'll just one day i'll have it but it's just like what if i could just do the best that i can today and one of the things that um i do when i am trying to master something is ask myself as i am doing it can i do it a little bit better And most of the time, it's like, yeah, you can do it better. So if I'm meditating and I'm just kind of all over the place and I'm not focused, then I bring myself to that that concept of mastery. Just perform like a master now. Just be a master now. That, and then I ask myself, okay, are you doing your absolute very best that you got right now? And so that removes perfection because I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm trying to do my best. And my best could be mastery in that moment. If mastery, let's say mastery is holding your breath for a minute, doing a certain pose, and I do that in that moment, I have achieved mastery. And I get the personal pride, the feeling of I did it. I'm a person that I can depend on. I can depend on myself. I can count on myself. I can, I have my own back. I have high standards. I'm a person of my word. You have that sense of pride. And then you have a cosmic experience. Kundalini yoga is a yoga that I, that's really the only yoga that I practice because I'm just always looking for transcendence. So how easy is it going to be for me to do a practice if I take on these things that I've told you about? One, you prioritize it, but you can only prioritize it by having an enough compelling perspective on that to actually impact change. If anything can impact the same amount of change, you're not going to do that one thing. 
You're not going to do meditation. You're not going to do kundalini because there's other ways for you to receive peace. There's other ways to, you could just take a nap. There's other ways. If there's other ways and better ways and easier ways, then that means you haven't connected that thing to something that's connected to your bigger vision. Or, or maybe it's time for you to drop that thing. But I talked about that yesterday. Um, a compelling, motivating, juicy motivation reason that draws you in, right? It's not something that you have to force. You're just like, I'm going to meditate every day for a year because I'm going to become a meditation instructor. Well, cool. Most of us become meditation instructors because we've meditated to the point where it has brought personal transcendence. It must be practiced to be experienced. You just can't do something in the hopes of teaching someone else. That will happen if that's meant to happen, but you have to do something for you. If you want transcendence, you have to find the things that feel in alignment with the transcendent in your style. You have to just do it for the sake of your spiritual experience, not for a business. And so I don't want to be become a spiritual business coach, right? The reason is because a business is something that, like your life, you get to choose and design. And it all stems from your internal world. So if you handle one thing, the other things get handled. Okay, anyways. So we have, you prioritize it. You prioritize a behavior, a goal, um, which then creates what? Repetition, habituation. But why do you do that? You do that only with a very juicy, amazing, compelling reason to drive behavior. It has to be a, a process, a thing that promises you exactly what you want at the greatest level. With meditation too, for me, it's a practice that I believe I can keep and deepen into forever. So it's, it doesn't seem like, oh, one day I'll never have to meditate again. It seems like it's a portal to deeper and deeper and deeper levels. So that is another compelling reason to do it because it's a living, breathing consciousness in collaboration with my own, right? So it is also changing and evolving. Um, and then there's the mastery student perspective. The mastery student perspective is we go in it like a master today, but where, where does the student um, part come in? Well, we're forever students. We're always going to be learning, right? You got to be okay with being a beginner. You got to be okay with not getting things at the intellectual level. You have to just, there's a part of you that just says, I trust my teacher, right? And you being the teacher, you, not me. So if you are both the master and the student, you can have that relationship, that dialogue where you can stand in your mastery and you can stand in like, I don't know what I'm doing. And one doesn't have to affect the other. As a matter of fact, it builds on each other, improves each other. If you are performing something and you're doing it with mastery and with 
refinement and you're doing it the best that you can, the student in you is going to actually have quantum leaps. Because if you start everything just with the student mindset, the student mindset is this, this will take time. I am learning. I don't know what I'm doing. But the master is already there. So when the student starts to realize by just simply owning the mastery that you can collapse the time between being a student and master and that there isn't any difference between the two, then you remove the limitations of what a student is and maybe even perhaps what a master is, right? So then your practices become more sustainable. We have a built-in fail safe that I didn't necessarily talk about, but it's built into the program. And that is the part that is the student. You can have a week where every single day you did your practices with mastery. And one day you can still be a student. And you're, you're not going to interrupt your progress. You're not going to experience disappointment. You will still have the same level of drive and pride as a student. I teach you how we accomplish that very simply in the God Academy. If you feel compelled to join, um, I would be super excited to have a conversation with you. All you have to do is go on Instagram, find me at Janice Marrero, and maybe even um, you can look up the hashtag The God Academy. I think I've been hashtagging that. Um, anyway, so just find me. And send me a DM and say, hey, tell me more or how much is it or whatever your question may be. We'll have a short conversation over chat. We're not going to get on the phone or anything like that. Um, just to know, just to know if we, if, we, if we vibe, if we like each other. I was recently talking to one of my clients and I was saying something about along the lines of friends that pay you. What is the difference between clients and your ideal clients? Well, clients are people that pay you and ideal client is friends that pay you these are people who are so amazing that you want them to be a part of your life or they become a part of your life because you just love them because they become your friends because they become part of your support group your sisterhood friends that pay you right but it doesn't mean that there is some type of interruption in the level of honor and respect they have for your business separate than for you we have friends that pay us meaning we are a hundred percent friends and you pay me for my business and my service do you know what i'm saying um it's just a beautiful way of of understanding it's a beautiful way of understanding like well how you know we can't not make a business from not getting paid so we have to find ways for ourselves to understand how these things get to coexist and they're good. And they are good. Friends that pay you is good. You want clients that feel like friends. And you want them to pay you. You want them to honor the, and the value and the work that you do in the world. Because it is just a matter of time before they're in the same position, right? It's just a matter of time before we're all living our best life and our, our, our dreams and it feels easy and it feels fun and we all get to go together to the top of the mountain and have a festival up there um okay that's all that i have for you today 
I would love to connect with you. Find me on Instagram. Say hello. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Just before you leave, I want to tell you a little bit about me. I am a Puerto Rican mother of three. I run my own business. I'm an artist, a coach, a mentor, a photographer, creative director, and so many other things. I want to let you know what I do. I help mystics attune to the highest potential without needing to be a saint and without sacrificing who you are. I help you hold your standards and your values, and I help you experience more ecstasy, bliss, euphoria, and an orgasmic life using the ecstatic alchemy method so that you can manifest in a constant state of awe and experience an orgasmic life that blows your mind every single day.